Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast brought to you by Family Vision Media. Check us out at StacyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guest. Meet Representative Jay Stiegel, Oklahoma State Representative and Military Veteran. Joining us here on the podcast today, thank you so much for your time today, especially from the great state of Oklahoma. Thank you, Stacey. I appreciate the opportunity to, to visit with you and your listeners today. Let's get started. All right. I'm super excited about it, too. I, first of all, just can you tell us um, how you became interested in politics? You wanted to become a state representative, and you're, now you're serving the people in the great state of Oklahoma. How did all of that come about? Well, really interesting. Uh, I actually filed for office in the spring of 2018 uh, and then went on deployment. Uh, my last deployment with the Air Reserves, uh, of course, I'm a retired tanker pilot, uh, but I missed the entire primary race. Uh, my wife was out knocking doors, carrying our phone, her phone around with her uh, door-to-door, and I'm overseas flying missions, and in my downtime, I'm visiting with constituents on the doorstep virtually which was really cool, kind of a, a first-time-ever-done type of thing. Uh, but what got me interested is, uh, you know, like like most people that run for office, I had some concern about the direction of our country, the direction of our state, the direction of even some of our uh, local politics. And, uh, you know, at that time, I'd served over 20 years in the military, and I thought, you know, here's another role that I can step into to continue to fight for our liberties and freedoms uh, in the state house. So I decided to go ahead and file for office. Uh, so that's how I got started. That's fantastic. So can we um, talk a little bit about freedom? The, the issue that we're all facing across the country is various forms of mandates. Some of them are from hospitals. Some of them are from local governments. Some of them are being pushed behind the scenes by the federal government. And in Oklahoma, you're actually dealing with a little bit of that uh, in the way of the hospitals possibly having some mandates that they're going to be pushing onto patients. Uh, wh- what would those be, and, and are they something that you support, or are you fighting them? So we're watching the mandates uh, come, and we know where they're coming from. Uh, we heard uh, Biden uh, yesterday uh, put out the statement that he would like to see these private businesses start pursuing more mandates uh, for the vaccines, uh, and in particular under their employees. Of course, we know what's coming next. Uh, but no, I don't really support the, the idea of a mandate. I think that's a it's a poor business decision to make. I think in particular hospitals who are already dealing with staff shortages, uh, you know, people have gotten tired. Our nurses and doctors have been dealing with this for a year and a half now, and they're tired. Some of them are leaving through natural attrition methods. Some of them are leaving because they're just worn out. And then when we take a look at what these mandates are going to mean uh, for the folks that who are trying to make the decision not to take the vaccine until there's been more extensive studies done on the long-term effects, they may end up, these businesses may end up running off a lot of their, their good help. And those that are left on the books are going to have to deal with a higher workload. Uh, so driving that fatigue factor even higher. So, I, I, you know, I, I do support a business's prerogatives to set their own policies uh, the question is, is it the government's job to step in here to rescue businesses from making uh, what we would consider poor business decisions and creating more stressful environments for those workers and uh, potentially putting more people at risk? I do think there's a, a balance there. We're exploring those options. Uh, we're taking a look at several different types of language, uh, even in our off session right now. I know uh, I've got some language in the works that we're 
uh, trying to vet uh, through the channels here in the house. And a couple other reps uh, are kind of doing the same thing. We're exploring all options. Everything is on the table. Uh, and we're visiting with local business owners who are faced with this dilemma. They're, they've got a lot of questions. What do they do if they receive federal funding and they're being uh, told, basically, that, that they've got to enforce this mandate? So there's a, there's a lot of questions uh, and concerns that we all have about this. Uh, but the most important thing that we can really do right now is take a look at everything that's on the table, start thinking outside of the box uh, for solutions uh, in order to secure everyone's freedoms. Because you and I both know what happens when the government steps in to intervene in anything. It, it usually doesn't get any better. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> um, they don't even pretend that they think it's going to make things better. We, we've moved from an era where people with bad ideas tried to convince us that their bad ideas would work and would make things better. Now we're in a place where they're peddling bad ideas. We all know it's not going to work. And what they say is they're not working because you're a racist. <laughs> that's, that's really the, the, the selling point. <laughs> it, sure. You know, and, and, or something else, right? But the flow of information has been at least from the federal level to the state level. And in some states has been, even hindered as well. Uh, we know that there's censorship happening uh, on social media. We know that it's happening uh, within the workplace. We know it's happening from one government agency to another. Uh, information is not flowing. Uh, you know, the question that, that I would ask anybody today is, what do you think the efficacy rate of these vaccines are? And watch what kind of numbers people start touting as science. And we're just Talking about regular Joe on the street, ask those people, what, you know, what have you heard? Well, I've heard as little as 0% effective. I've heard as high as 90% effective uh, and everything in between. We should know. We should know how effective this vaccine is on multiple levels. The, the CDC should be honest about what's going on in their reporting. Our State Department of Health. Uh, from one state to the next should be honest in their reporting. Our hospitals should be honest in their reporting. Uh, the push for the vaccine that we're watching come from the Biden administration, I think, exacerbates the problem. Uh, nobody knows who to trust anymore, and it's because of two things. One, our government has pushed really hard <laughs> to get everybody to participate in this experiment. And two, the information that they've put out uh, contradicts itself almost on a daily basis. You know, do we wear one mask now? Do we wear two masks? Do we wear six feet of mask? I mean, depending on how Fauci feels that day, it, it really determines on what the standard for the day is going to be. How effective is the vaccine by itself? Are the boosters going to work? How does it affect different people at different stages of their lives? Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of data. And unfortunately, uh, there's also too much data at the same time that complicates the issue and makes it very difficult for us to compare apples to apples. You know, so I, I, the thing that I'm having a problem with is that with all the lying that's gone on and the misrepresentations and the hiding of certain parts of information. So, you know, the lack of transparency, it feels like something where, you know, in, in, in the private sector, wouldn't we just say, eh, I don't think I'm going to deal with that business, right? You, you, would, you would judge a business or a product based on its reputational value, which is based upon how many times, you know, the, the, the business has been caught lying, how, how many times their product has failed, how many times 
you have maybe requested information and not gotten an answer back or gotten something back that wasn't true, at some point you just kind of dust your hands off and, and move on because you feel that it's not worth your time. The only issue with this is instead of us being able to say as Americans, as we, many people have done with the flu vaccine, they just said, you know what? I didn't have a good reaction with the flu vaccine last time or my boss isn't mandating it. And so, you know, my kid who has asthma is taking the flu vaccine, but I'm not taking it. And so we, you know, everyone makes their own personal choice. And some years, 88,000 people die from the flu. Some years we have 15 to 22,000 children die from the flu. And no one says you need a flu shot in order to work or in order to get on a plane or in order to vote like in Canada. But here in this country, we're watching people literally say, uh, you know what? It's not okay for you, Stacy, to say you're not going to get the vaccine until you've seen five years worth of data. Uh, but maybe your parents have both been vaccinated because they're over 70. They're, they're not even willing to allow us to make those kinds of choices. It's now move, we're moving towards, as you said, mandates, which no one in America has the right to mandate that you do something with your body. That is a constitutional issue for us, but it's just being wrote, written over. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So several employers, and, and I don't want to single out the hospitals here, uh, so I'm going to I'm going to speak to the wide variety of employers that we have here in Oklahoma and other states that we've watched these types of policies come from, is that they've sent letters to their employees that say, listen, as of such and such date, uh, we're going to have a mandatory vaccine requirement for this. Uh, you know, you're going to have to get this or you're not going to be able to keep your job here. So they're dangling this carrot uh, of a paycheck out in front of people trying to entice them to go get this vaccine. Now, in a true free market society, which we like to think we live in or like or we like to think that we should be living in a true free market society, uh, those types of problems typically work themselves out. However, in certain scenarios, uh, particular in uh, in states that have uh, very uh, defined means for firing people and letting them go, sometimes uh, this employee may be let go, say, for not taking the vaccine, and the way that they're fired would make them ineligible for, say, unemployment benefits. So they really are stuck between a rock and a hard place. But here's the, the fun thing that I like to explore in these letters. Some of our hospitals have put out letters stating as of September 1st or September 30th, if you have not had the COVID vaccine, uh, your employment with us will be terminated. In other words, I know you work in the healthcare industry. However, we don't think as a board that you were intelligent enough to make your own healthcare decisions, so we're going to make them for you. If you received one of those letters as an employee, how excited would you be about waking up the next morning and clocking in? I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't want to work for someone who insulted my intelligence as a healthcare worker in telling me that I'm not smart enough to make my own healthcare decisions, yet I'm supposed to make help, help other people make help, their healthcare decisions every day. It seems counterintuitive to me. Yeah, it does. I So I, I have a I have a follow on there, but because you, you said that in some instances, the way they're wording it, it prevents you from getting unemployment. In what scenario would a person be fired for not taking the vaccine and then be un ineligible for unemployment? Because everyone pays into unemployment. 
if you're let go from your work, whether it's due to force reduction or whatever, you know, whatever fancy name they're calling it, um, I thought that unemployment was just something that you paid into and you had a certain amount of months that were available to you. Sure. So every state has uh, their own version of employment laws. The employment law that I'm most familiar with here in Oklahoma deals with misconduct. So employees that are fired for misconduct, and there's a wide variety of reasons that an employer could fire someone for misconduct, that type of termination uh, for your non-contract laborers would render that employee ineligible for unemployment benefits. So the, the it, so is it the wording on the, you're, you didn't get the vax, they're considering not getting vaccinated misconduct or? Well, the thing, I think that the, I think you're hitting on something here, and the important thing to note is that Oklahoma is an at-will employment state, and we are all the time. Uh, I know some of the language that uh, some of our representatives are taking a look at originated in Montana, but their employment laws are a little bit different, and it deals with discriminating against someone because of their vaccination status. Uh, I'm not sure how well that will work in Oklahoma. That's something we're going to have to work through the wickets uh, to see if that would apply equally to our employment laws, but there are provisions in most of these states, uh, these at-will states, dealing with something along the lines of misconduct that would allow an employer to fire an employee, say, for a wide range of things, but notably would be failure to follow, say, company policy. That's usually pretty easy to, to tie in there. Well, if the company develops a policy that says you're going to take this vaccine or we're letting you go, uh, then it makes it easy for them to fire this employee or at least makes it easy for them to attempt to fire the employee for misconduct. Now it's on the employee uh, to prove that they didn't that they didn't actually meet the definition of, of misconduct. If they can get an attorney to pick up the case, it would agree with them. But the burden would be on the person who just got let go, who's no longer receiving uh, a paycheck, who's at the moment, not receiving any kind of unemployment benefit, and they're the ones that are holding the bag and the financial responsibility to prove that they were wrongfully terminated. So I think that's a that's a very dangerous position to put our, our workforce in, whether they're in the healthcare business or pipe-fitting business or anywhere else. So, you know, so describing it that way, to me, is where we see the law being used for evil purposes, because if you say to an employee, eh, you know what, our new policy is you have to get vaccinated or you're, you're being fired. And the employee says, well, for whatever reason, you know, I can't get vaccinated. I won't get vaccinated. Then you fire them to select a reason on their separation agreement or their separation letter or however you're terming that to select a letter that would specifically bar them from receiving unemployment seems like they're going an additional step to punish the employee for not complying with what they've told them to do. And that to me, that that's different than, you know, you, you're at work and you're stealing things or you're abusive or you're sexually harassing your, your coworkers. Those are actionable. That is a reason why you would fire someone and you would not want to see them get unemployment. But to say that you shouldn't be able to get unemployment because you just refused to get a vaccine that the, the workplace is now mandating and they did not tell you if at any time in the future we decide to mandate a vaccine, we'll be 
you know, letting you go if you don't take it. In other words, this was not a foreseen issue that you got hired onto the company knowing that at some point you might be needing to take a vaccine and you'd have to do it against your will. Uh, I, you know, I think we're, we're running into a place where there's actual malice that is being executed on people. Well, it's certainly a valid argument to make. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's going to have to be a, a real serious discussion that leads to a decision made by both, both the employer and the employees. Uh, in this scenario, I'm a small business owner myself. I don't have these types of policies uh, on, you know, in, in my place of work. Uh, but it's my belief that individuals themselves are intelligent enough to make their own healthcare decisions. And if the vaccine is going to be right for them, they're going to go get the vaccine. If it's not right for them or if they want to wait, then that's certainly their prerogative to do so. I'm, I'm not going to put someone in the situation where now I'm got to make I've got to make the argument that I know more about their healthcare needs than they do. That's ridiculous. I obviously don't. I'm I'm not an expert at, at someone else's healthcare needs. But uh, as far as everybody else in the state goes, I, I do think there's something wrong with putting our employees, no matter what sector they work in, in a situation where they've either got to take this vaccine or they're denied the benefits, like you said, that they've paid into as well. So that's that's one of the things that I'm looking at addressing uh, moving forward here. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. So there's there's obviously it's a complex issue. We wouldn't expect it to be anything but. Uh, but we know that in the freedom side of things, which is supposed to be all of the sides, like we're we're supposed to have our liberties those are our liberties, no matter what the pandemic is, no matter what the new uh, gene therapy is, because this quote unquote vaccine is not an inoculation. It is actually a gene therapy, which is why it's so important for people to evaluate whether or not they want that gene therapy based on their own personal medical history. So it's working out for a lot of people, especially those who are more elderly. It is not working out for young people in, you know, 18 to 26 or so with the pericarditis and myocarditis that is being seen in young people. Um, and they, they don't have any treatment for it. It's not like you show up and they say, oh, myocarditis, you know, take this pill for 90 days and you'll be fine. They're showing up with myocarditis and they are not having a treatment for it. This is ruining the, the lives of young people who are just getting started. Uh, so th it's not fair to say everyone has to take it because it's not appropriate for every American. I think you have outlined some things that not only are important for us to think about, sir, but also um, it, it, it informs us and helps us to be more firm and being able to stand up against the tyranny that it we're, it's kind of like blooming right before our very eyes, tyranny and um, despotic behavior towards other Americans. We have to fight that. Absolutely. And that's the language that I use when trying to describe these, these dictates that are coming out of the White House, uh, despotism, because that's exactly what's going on. Uh, I can't think of a better word to use to describe the actions that we're watching unfold before our very eyes. And it is up to us as individuals, as uh, government agencies, as elected officials uh, to fight back against that. You know, we're, we're well versed here in Oklahoma on how to take care of ourselves. I don't need anybody in the White House telling us what's best for us as Oklahomans. Uh, we, we got this. 
we, we can handle this. Uh, we've got some of the best medical schools in the country right here. We've got some of the best doctors in the world right here in Oklahoma. Uh, our people are intelligent. Uh, we've got intelligent people here in the state of Oklahoma that are able to make their own health care decisions. So I don't need anybody in the White House who has a hard time uh, developing a proper exit strategy from Afghanistan dictating to me what I have to put in my body. No thanks. I mean, you you kind of you kind of dropped the mic there on that one. That, that couldn't be better said. When big things are on the table, I prefer that leaders prioritize. And so, rather than Joe Biden trying to decide what Americans in Oklahoma or Missouri or California or anywhere else are going to do with their medical decisions, he would have been much better served. All of us would have had he placed that attention that he spent so much time talking about the vaccine, had he placed that attention on the proper extraction from Afghanistan of our troops, our civilians, and especially uh, our equipment. It's a shame and an embarrassment that our allies are watching us arm all of our enemies. We, the Taliban is not just an enemy to the United States, enemy to uh, Great Britain and all of Europe and really any westernized nation and many of our partners who are in the East. You know, the Taliban is an enemy to all. So I just, oh, you couldn't have said it better, sir. I am so grateful that we had the opportunity to meet here on the radio and to talk uh, on the podcast and just to um, to go over these issues so that people can have a, a clear, more clear understanding of how to talk about these things and and how to fight back. Representative Jay Stiegel, Oklahoma State Representative, military veteran, thank you for your service, sir, and for your time today here on the podcast. Thank you, Stacey. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So that is, see, that's what we need more of. We need a hundred more of him uh, all over the country working on behalf of liberty and common sense. He's a business owner, which means he has that unique perspective and ability to be able to look at issues from the employer and the employee because he has employees and then also as a veteran and now as an elected official where he's serving his state. Um, We need more people like that. And I know that we have excellent people in this country who can step up and start taking the place of a lot of the rhinos that we have at the state level and also federally in Washington, D.C. All right. So one more thing here. I want you to know that if you're looking for an affordable health care option or you're upset by the health insurance options offered by the ACA, you can go to StaceyOnTheRight.com. You can also go to FamilyVisionMedia.org. Click the banner ad for the Alliance for Shared Health. Sign up for health sharing, which would put you in with over 40,000 households who participate in the Alliance for Shared Health. You would, as a member, share in the financial burden of health care expenses, including need sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% off your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad to sign up now. That's StaceyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad and start sharing and saving today. The Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare and changing lives. All right. That's another podcast in the books. Find me at StaceyOnTheRight.com and at StaceyOnTheRight on everywhere else. Have a blessed day.